You're listening to The A-Game, an adcom podcast chronicling the week in media, technology, and agency life, featuring Joel Hammond, Jim Ganser, and Jeff Culleton. With us today is our guest is Ari Lewis. Uh, Ari is the co-founder of Ohio X, author of the Cleveland Tech Newsletter, guest columnist for Cranes, and an advisor at Grasshopper Capital. That's a big resume for a dude in his 20s. What, uh, have you always been prone to move this fast? Is this like your gig? You always, you always have to have 18 things going at once? Yeah. Um, you know, it, it, it sounds like a lot, but it's actually very all, all interconnected and, and focused on, you know, one, one narrow thing in that, um, you know, I decided to, to move to Ohio um, about last year. Uh, before that, I, I started a fund, the Grasshopper Capital, which you mentioned that I was an advisor to, and that I that I you know transitioned to an advisor to since I, I sold the fund and, and started a consulting firm called Green Block Group. So uh, we started Green Block Group with my partner Chris Barry, who used to be the chief of staff of the Ohio Treasurer's Office, and you know the reason we started it was to help companies and brands with their communication. Uh, PR. And from that, you know, one of the things that we noticed was a, a gap in the ecosystem in Ohio as it pertained to technology. Mm. So we decided to start Ohio X, which is um, a trade association with the idea of unite, promote, and advocate for technology and innovation across the state of Ohio. So really a lot of my work is, is just interacting with interesting technology companies and you know, either talking to them about Ohio X or or talking with them about you know their communication and, and branding strategy on the Green Block Group side. So your Northeast Ohio doesn't have many U's transplants from larger markets. You're you're from the New York area. Um, how did that come about? Because you do have some you have some roots here, but uh, you know we're trying to replicate you times a thousand if we can. But what brought you here? Yeah, so um, I, I came to Cleveland because I went to Case Western. So got my undergraduate degree from Case Western and really, you know, fell in love with Cleveland. I think uh, a lot of people, you know, they're focused on, I want to go to New York, I want to go to LA, SF. And they, they missed the heartland of the country. And I, I think over the next, you know, 10, 20 years, that's where a lot of population growth is going to happen. It's not going to happen on the coast. And that's for a few reasons. Uh, one, it's just so expensive to live there now. You know, uh, you know, one bedroom, two bedroom in, in New York and is going to run you, you know, four or $5,000 a month probably. Yeah. While that same apartment, you know, in Cleveland and Columbus in, you know, Des Moines, Iowa, well, Des Moines, Iowa is probably not, <laughs> it's probably a bit cheaper, but, but, you know, but, but other, other heartland cities, not just in Ohio, you know, a thousand dollars a month, $800 a month. So you're looking you know, much, much, much reduced cost. Uh, secondly, I think there's a lot more opportunity. So, you know, I like to say big fish in a, in a small pond and that you get to interact with people that, you know, maybe are in New York that you can interact with. So, so for me, you know, I'll interact with people sometimes that are C-level executives at, at public companies, you know, for, for my Cleveland Tech Newsletter, for example, you know, I've interviewed the, the CMO of Diebold. I've interviewed Anthony Gonzalez, who's a, who's a congressman in Ohio. And in New York, I, you know, I wouldn't have had those opportunities. And 
I think anyone can have those opportunities, to be honest. It just it just takes a, a little hustle, but but those opportunities are available in the heartland. And when when you're in New York, when you're in LA, I, I don't think those opportunities are available. I think it's it's much more difficult. It's much more difficult to connect with people. And and you just aren't aren't given those those opportunities to to connect with the people that you want to connect with. That's always one of the things I've said about around here for myself because I'm uh, I'm not native to the area either. But I always the the good and the bad side of being in a town this size was you could get to almost anybody um, pretty quickly, one two moves, and you you could have a conversation with somebody if you really wanted to get to them. The problem was if your reputation either wasn't um, cultivated enough yet and or if it wasn't what you needed it to be uh, those doors sometimes were even harder to open um, so it's interesting to see um, somebody like you come in and have an impact so you said what year 18 months give or take yeah I've been here um, technically since July uh, full, full, full time but been sort of coming in and out of Cleveland for about 18 to 24 months since, since I've graduated college. My first, my first experience was my experience with you, I think was before we had even met was the first block land. And I remember seeing this young guy up on stage with Bernie Marino talking about cryptocurrency websites that had been started for the state. And at, you know, those conferences were, really interesting in the fact that you saw that we could get good ideas people would travel for. And that's something I think Ohio doesn't often, like there's a, a little bit of a, oh, we're, you know, aw shucks, we're the, you know, we're the flyover city. We got a lot of nice stuff, but nobody gives us the time of day. Um, so what do you, as you, as you dig deeper into this, into the technology and innovation sphere, not just here, but Columbus, Cincinnati, Toledo, some the larger cities around the state, what do you see as areas where we have a real opportunity to drive growth forward? Because as COVID happens, we're on the precipice of just massive change in a lot of areas. Do you think what you guys are doing now and where Ohio sits with certain industries offers us the benefit to like start leapfrogging some states? Yeah. So I think it, first off, it's, it's important to talk about, you know, trends that are happening in the technology space. So, because of you know this pandemic, I think there's been an acceleration in IT transformation. Mm. You know, and what I mean by that specifically is you know things. Let's take something like remote work that I think you know probably was going to take another five to ten years to, to really be considered seriously by some companies yeah. um, has has happened overnight, and that that's not going away anytime soon because there was sort of this fixed investment cost. So a lot of these large organizations had to adapt to, you know, how to work remotely and how to get their culture to be able to work remotely. But that was a fixed cost. And now that that cost has been invested in, a lot of companies, both both small and big, and, and some with, you know, very legacy operations are like, oh, wow, we, we can be productive and, and, and work from home. And because of that, you know, I think that gives Ohio a huge opportunity you know, someone who is, say, an engineer at a Fortune 500 company that, you know, they had to be in New York, they had to be in SF, will probably now be given the opportunity to go, hey, you know, you can be anywhere. 
So they're going to look at places like like the Heartland. You know, ho- hopefully they come to Ohio. But even if they don't come to Ohio, I think you know they're going to be moving away from New York. They're going to be moving away from SF. And for a lot of companies, they're going to be okay with that. And I think what we're going to see happen is that really only the executives or or what what they call you know in the banking space front office, so people who have to you know be having those physical interactions are, are going to be in the in those types of cities. Uh, so I think one you know because of the rise of remote work, we're going to see um, more people in in these heartlands. I think the second thing that's going to happen is young graduates are are going to come out of school. And if you look at like public institutions and where they're located, so, you know, Ohio State that is in Columbus, you know, University of Wisconsin, it's in Madison. All these schools where you have the, you know, large university mm-hmm. presences or a lot of towns where you have these large university presence, instead of those people saying, oh, I'm going to move to New York, they're going to be like, oh, I might consider staying here. You know, one of the things that's happening more and more is that these people who are graduating from these universities are, 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 are seeing there's opportunity in those towns. So I think, you know, those are going to be the biggest trends in that people who work remotely are, are going to be able to, you know, work from anywhere now because remote work is, is going to be more accepted, more people are going to be doing it. Um, but two, young professionals are, are going to realize that the places where they're graduating from they can maybe take a job in that town or they could take a job in that state. And I don't think those that was considered, you know, five years ago, 10 years ago. You know, I know people who, who graduated, I'm from Long Island, and a lot of people go to Ohio State, Michigan, you know, University of Wisconsin, and they go back to New York or they go to LA. Mm-hmm. And now I know some who are actually staying in those cities or, or going to nearby cities. So I think That's those are, are two trends. Is that a safety thing? Is it a you know, understanding your, your dollar goes farther. Is it, you know, what's, is, do you think that's a right now thing and then it's going to dissipate after we go back to some semblance of, you know, steadiness in the economy? Or you think that's, that's something that could last for a little while here? So I think it's a few things. I think one, it's, it's the transformation of how business is done and, and how people build connections, you know, 20 years ago, 30 years ago, you know, people would you know, play golf together. Hey, people That's still how I got, yeah, people, people still do that. Correct. But people would play golf together. But first of all, I don't know anyone my age who, who plays golf. I'm sure there are, but I, I know zero people who play golf and are like, let's go golf on the weekends. And do, you know, I, I just don't know people who do that. So let's play golf together. And you know, that's how I make a connection or let's, you know, any any variance of that mm-hmm. and and now people are you know interacting on twitter there are people who i barely know in the physical world who i interact with twitter on all the time mm-hmm. and have conversations with and 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 you know text with or or, or speak with over email and i think that's going to proliferate more and it, it's funny I've, I've been seeing older people who never really had a social media presence are, are starting to realize, oh, I have to use LinkedIn more or, oh, let me check out YouTube or Twitter. Or now everyone's like, oh, let's do a Zoom. Everyone wants to do a Zoom. <laughs> Instead, you know, and I'm, I'm curious, am I going to have coffee with people who, who are in Cleveland or they're going to be like, no, let's do a Zoom coffee now. But, but I think that's indicative of this mindset change that's occurring where people are going from, 
oh, I don't have to meet people in person. I can develop strong relationships in a virtual world. And I think that's really driving a lot of this is that you don't need to be in person to make these connections. You don't need to say, oh, I have to meet this person and meet this person in real life to do business with them. I can meet them over Zoom. I can tweet with them a bunch. And I'm like, oh, I want to work with them now because they're smart. Do you, do you think so that to me is one of the most interesting nuggets of all of this that's happening right now? Um, you know, for us, we look at, at how these changes in behavior are going to affect our clients specifically. But do you think that what you just articulated is going to start to map itself to retail too? Do you think those behaviors are going to start to really change the physical spaces that we interact with so that you know, in 2008, 2009, you had a real estate, a commercial real estate crisis because things weren't being used. Gigantic malls weren't being used the same way anymore. And it still continues to this day. You think that's going to proliferate down and you're going to start seeing much more of this, like, this is how I buy a car now. I talk to Ari at the dealership. He shows me some things. We agree on a price and I get something delivered to my house. You think it's going to start, we're going to start seeing the, the, the change of the retail experience like that? Yeah. So, you know, I'm, I love the AR VR space. I just personally am super fascinated by it. You know, one trend in particular that is happening is um, people interacting in, 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 you know, video games as social networks. Mm-hmm. And I, I, I'll sort of explain why that's important to, to what you're, what you're saying. So there's a game called Animal Crossing. I don't know how many of you are familiar with it. There's someone in the game who started a late night talk show in Animal Crossing. This sounds and they're like bringing on, they're bringing on real celebrities, like huge celebrities, to do interviews. I love it. And then recently, Fortnite just had a concert. I, I want to. I forgot who it was with. I want to say Tyga. Yeah. Um, but but um, Fortnite also what they're doing, and I don't know if it's going to work for them, but it's going to work for someone is they're going to a more social world. So instead of shooting people, they're doing ways where we can interact with people. You know, I hear of things um, from even a younger generation than me, and I'm 25, where people are meeting their friends on Fortnite that they talk with every day and play with every day who they've never met in person and are Mm -hmm. becoming best friends with them. They don't even have their phone number. They're literally just talking to them in Fortnite. So I think for... One, that virtual world experience is going to continue to proliferate. We're going to see more of that. You know, on the on the retail side, you know, I, I came across an app yesterday, and I'm, I'm drawing a blank on the name, where people can shop via live video. So, like, you know, there there's a shopping experience where you watch someone do a live video, and it, I guess it's like the modern-day HGTV, <laughs> and, and you right. can buy stuff. You know, and, and we're seeing that with, you know, a lot of Instagram influencers, like, um, Get one of the people in David Dobrik's vlog squad. They posted a um, new Instagram account of their cl- closet. So, like this influencer, I want to say it was Nadine or or Corey. I forgot one of them from the vlog squad yeah. posted an in- influencer account, a new influencer account with just their closet. They got up to like two hundred thousand followers in the first day. Whole new e-commerce site. They start immediately has for revenue monetization. Online yards. We're gonna see more of that. Because what's happening is brands and and that corporate identity is going away and it's being shifted to the individual and and individuals are becoming brands 
And those brands are not being sold in retail spaces. They're being sold on the internet because, you know, the internet is this huge new place. And it sounds insane that I'm saying this because, you know, the internet's been out for 30 years, but, but it's this, it's this new place to, to do everything. It's, it's, you know, there's a book I read by Tim Wu, but it's, it's the fourth screen. And I can explain that more, but but what what I mean at at the, the, the highest level is that, Everything the internet is designed to do is harvest our attention away from the real life to the internet. And Mm -hmm. all these social media platforms are doing that. I I think it's, I think it it makes a very interesting transition. The number of opportunities that are present now are exponentially higher than they ever have been before. And two years from now, that's also going to be the case. The the force magnitude of the way things are moving. means that, you know, we are obviously seeing a a major retraction in things right now, but that retraction will be finite uh, and it's going to bear out, you know, kind of the new way we do things. Um, I'm curious, you know, you and Chris have a a pretty neat view into how the state gears itself for innovation and, and technology investment. I think we're, we're past the point in COVID where you have to worry about looking opportunistic, the bad PR side of it, and the people who are really going to drive, uh, you know, kind of the, the force of the future are looking and saying, okay, telemedicine over here and conferencing over here and all these different things are going to change. How are we going to do them? Do you think Ohio has that kind of mindset to move that quickly, to move with the speed that's necessary to to kind of make the land grab for what the next iteration is. Just before I answer that, I do want to say, I think all brands have completely screwed up the, their coronavirus response. Oh, tell me. And that, Forget my question and talk about that. That's amazing. What do you mean? And, and that, you know, they, they, a lot of them should have just said nothing. And they, 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 they viewed it way too opportunistically. And I, I think that was a complete screw up. You know, I actually, I think one of the best responses was by Corona beer who did absolutely nothing because (laughs) they, they knew that they couldn't say anything and they did nothing. And there, you know, there's multiple like anecdotal studies that are multiple anecdotes that I should say that, you know, bad PR responses. So you think about like Kendall Jenner and, and Pepsi, for example, or Peloton in the, that woman ad recently. Yep. Those didn't actually affect their sales. You know, people always forget. They always think, "Oh, you know, all 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 PR is is, is good PR." You know, to to a degree, that is sometimes true. In that, some of these bad PR things that are tone deaf, you know, they don't actually, you know, do affect sales at the end of the day. So, so I would say for a lot of them, they're lucky in that you know, it, it probably won't matter to their bottom line, but. You know, if you have nothing valuable to say and you're not really adding unique insight, you should just say nothing. I, I, I've, I've gotten so many random emails from companies about their coronavirus response or, you know, what we should be doing about PPP loans. I've heard it from 90 different people. I don't need to hear it from, you know, your brand as well. Sure. Well, convert- if you have nothing to say, don't say it. <laughs> Do you, I mean, are those, do you have brands that have done that, that have stuck out in your mind and that you are ultimately no longer going to patronize because of that bad PR response? 
Probably not. And I, I think that goes back to, you know, the, the anecdotal points that I was also making in that, you know, at the end of the day, for, for all my pontificating about how bad their responses are, probably doesn't affect sales because, you know, it, it's really about mindshare and that, you know, most consumers just don't care. They only remember the brand. So like you talk about that Peloton, that Peloton ad, for example, they just remember it was Peloton. They yeah. probably don't even remember what the ad was about or if it was even good or bad. They just remember something happened with Peloton. Well, so yeah, really the person who made the, the best out of that scenario was Ryan Reynolds and aviation gin in, yeah. <laughs> in their, in their, in their, 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 their counter ad to it got, I mean, by a factor of, of 20 more uh, engagements and views and, and interaction on, uh, on YouTube. And I mean, that became a sensation. In fact, if, uh, after this, if you get a second, Ryan Reynolds, uh, one of his other companies, Mint Mobile, uh, just put out a, you know, like a stay from home ad, Like he goes, Oh, well, this isn't working. So I'm, I'm going to use slides. And you know, he's just, he's very deft at that. And he has like a real, he has a very good sense of humor and he's very good at pushing the boundaries as, as to what is going to, you know, make, make way in the market. So when you get, I'll send it to you afterwards. Cause I think it's interesting. Yeah, no, definitely. And I, I, I saw people tweet about it, but I didn't actually watch it. So, so very interested to see that the, so your background's finance, right? My, my, that's a great question. I like to say my, my background is, is more entrepreneurship. Um, but you know, I'm, I'm also, I'm also only 25. So, so I, I like to say that I'm learning, I'm, I'm, I'm learning, I'm learning and, and still figuring it out. Uh, and you really, and, and, you seem to be shade. I mean, you, you're quite a prolific content creator now that seems to be innate to your, your, your personality. Like, you know, how, how many things are you actually doing? Like how many, how many things are you publishing on a monthly basis? Yeah. So great question. So, uh, typically in a week, um, I write two, two essays, um, one webinar and I send out my Cleveland tech newsletter. So it's about four pieces a week. Uh, but for me, it's, 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 it's not as much work as it sounds because I've, I've just got it into you know, a system and, and gotten very, very consistent. And it's a repeatable framework that, that allows me to take ideas and, and find ideas quickly and then turn them into content. So, you know, I think, I always tell people that it, it looks intimidating when you start writing content, but once you do it a lot and, and get good at it, it becomes much quicker to, to put out content. So, you know, this is not just in a purely altruistic pursuit so you can write things that get published. So I think you've done some really interesting things. Um, what's the, what's tactically from a marketing standpoint, what are the things that you're using to grow out your, your audience and your user base whether it's you know the tech newsletter, whether it's the webinar series, what are you seeing that's being effective? Because you're, I mean, you're grassroots in it. Like yours is have an idea, reach out to somebody, do a webinar, have an interesting conversation, and just keep perpetuating the content. What do you think's been effective there? Yeah, so great question. And, and first off, you know, just to touch on your altruistic comments, so I always, I always like to say the most important thing, and this goes back to the branding thing, um, and and really anything is is that figure out a way to add value to someone. Mm -hmm. So, you know, you, when you start creating content, you start doing anything, you, your first question should be, am I adding value for someone somewhere? So for me, you know, 
my my first piece of of content that I really started getting into in the past couple of years since I moved back to Cleveland was this Cleveland Tech newsletter. Basic idea was no one was focusing on the Cleveland tech scene. You know, Michael De La Hoya um, wrote the Techstar mm-hmm. uh, column. CEO of Evergreen Podcast, yep. Yeah, so that was, you know, a while ago and he stopped. So no one was writing about really Cleveland Tech consistently, so I just decided to do it. And um, first day I put it out, I had 100 subscribers in like an hour. I was like, oh, wow. And now I have about 1,270 subscribers, but... It, it really, it really takes a while. So, you know, I've, I, I think what I, what I've done is just, you know, put out consistent quality and it's sort of, um, you know, just continues to grow. You ever get locked up on the quality side? I think the consi- you can consistently put out content. Many people do that. Putting out consistent quality content is a, is a, is another ball of wax how you know what's what's the guiding north star for you in what's quality content yeah so i think you know and and if you think about ohio x um think about green and black think about you know all, all the stuff that that i'm involved in e- each one has their own niche so you know for ohio x and, and i don't i don't i don't put out the the content there our team does it but i think what they're really good at doing is they they have a specific audience in mind, and it's it's the tech it's the tech community in Ohio. Yep. And they're like, I want to add value, so we put out four pieces of content there a week, and you know, it, you know, we're not trying to reach a hundred million people. We're trying to reach everyone in Ohio who's interested in technology, or people outside of Ohio who are interested in the Ohio tech scene. Um, you know, with the content I write for the Cleveland Tech Newsletter, it's just focused on people interested in the in the Cleveland tech scene, and even my on my personal writing level. I'm actually really specific in the niche I'm targeting. I'm, I'm really focused on personal branding strategy and mostly for people like under 40 and people who are, you know, in professional services firms or people who are in corporate roles that are, are trying to become, you know, like C-level executives and, and they, they want to grow their brands. I'm not focused on, you know, let's quit your job and become an entrepreneur or how to grow from zero to a million. 90,000 people are doing that. Yeah. But what, what I noticed, and, and with all these things, is that it was a small niche, but but no one was there, right? So like just touching on you know this personal branding stuff, not really many people are focused on you know people my age who maybe just graduated college, or you're a, an associate at a law firm or an associate at an accounting firm, or you know an associate at adcom, and, and you want to be partner. Mm-hmm. How do you move from associate to partner? You know how do you start utilizing things like Twitter? How do you maybe start a personal newsletter? How do you add value within your corporation? And it's a really specific niche and I, I know the audiences I'm serving. So all the content that I write about is, is, is about that. So, you know, the, the content I just wrote recently was, was um, I, I wrote something about getting published for the first time. I wrote something about imposter syndrome and it's, it's just really geared towards specific audiences. So I think, you know, when, when you talk about quality, you should think about who is the audience I'm serving and, and keep going niche or my yeah, niche. I, uh, I don't love that word. I'm still looking for a better word, but <laughs> best way to describe it is, you know, get as niche as possible. So maybe yeah. literally you're only starting with 10 people. Yeah. It's like, I'm, I'm trying to add value to accountants who are 
analysts who you know are focused in Northeast Ohio. That might be 50 people. Yeah. But I guarantee you, if you add value to that group, you can start expanding from there. And the reason why niches are good is because it's typically a more engaged community than a million people. Everyone's trying to reach a million people. So I, I think you bring up an interesting point because we see this all the time. This is the, um, you know, this is a struggle that people have with vanity metrics. You know, the, uh, social media platforms give us so many different metrics by which we can weigh ourselves personally, our brand. And so you see a race to a million followers or you see a race to X number of uh, email subscribers. When in reality, a lot of what, you know, on the social side, if you, if you get that kind of uh, uh, sway, a lot of it's bot-driven traffic who aren't really engaged followers. Email, uh, email subscriber lists are, uh, is, you know, 20%, you know, either fat-fingered addresses, people that are non-deliverable, people that aren't interested and aren't opening. I think you bring up a really interesting point about constantly refining your segment. And that, I mean, so you, you've become really focused on personal brand building and helping to write content and espouse around personal brand building. What do you, what do you see the benefit of that is for the generation coming up? I mean, I'm, I'm still in your target demographic, fortunately, but what do you see, <laughs> what do you see in that area where personal brand building is falling short? Yeah, so I think, you know, we've seen this transformation happen in, in the workforce from, you know, I could graduate college, um, go work at, you know, Progressive at 22 and, you know, collect my pension when I turn 65 and retire. Mm-hmm. You just can't do that anymore. You know, uh, as, as you know, one, one of the biggest things that, that I remember hearing from, you know, my parents or grandparents was, you know, that sort of that safety net that existed when you worked at a corporate job. Yep. And I don't think that's there anymore. You know, post, post 2008, I, I think that sort of went away. It was probably going away even before then. Every person needs to think of themselves as a, as a corporation and, and as a brand, you know. So what are you doing to grow that brand? How, how are you staying top of mind for people every day? And I, I think that's really the question that I like to ask everyone who, you know, I'm trying to target is, is what are, what are you doing to, to stay top of mind every day? So, you know, I always say, start with one channel, focus on one channel. So maybe that's a monthly newsletter. Maybe that's a Twitter presence. Maybe that's a LinkedIn presence, you know, whatever it is. And if, if you start with that and, you know, you add value to that group, you'll, 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 you'll see success. So start, you know, the biggest thing is start thinking of yourself as a brand and how do you grow that brand? I, I mean, I think not enough people think in that capacity and especially with how public, even for people who are trying to be private, how public our lives are and how much credence is given uh, by the external world to kind of the facade that you put up. Um, I, I think it's, I think it's going to be crucial moving forward. And I think is you know, the gig economy starts to, to swing into different facets based off of COVID-19 and, and the ways we're, you know, dispersing our work, that's going to be even more important. So I'll give you one last question um, because, well, it's really two questions. So this is obviously an extraordinarily weird time for everybody. We're in the house way, way, way too much. So A, when do you think 
we get back to a sense of normalcy, we'll call normalcy no masks in public. B, what's the thing that you're most looking forward to being able to return to do? Yeah, so, you know, both great questions. Um, you know, one, I think from a normalcy point of view, you know, the goalposts are always shifting, as they say. Yeah. And, you know, <laughs> what was normalcy before this, right? Like, probably wasn't all that good all the time. <laughs> yeah, like I, I, I've I've never I've never been a fan of that word. Um, you know, I I don't think we're ever going back. And but th- but that's every day, even before you know coronavirus hit. You know, what, what's great about life in general is that the next day is going to be different than the previous day, right? No, no two days are the same. So so I think you know from from that perspective, you know. We're not going back to normal. I think, though, the the one thing I do look do look forward to is you know going out and, and interacting with friends. You know, giving giving someone a hug, give, shaking someone's hand. Yep. I think one of the best ways to to express relationships and sort of you know showing care, showing empathy for people is is through physical interactions. So you know, whether that's a hug, whether that's shaking someone's hand, putting putting your arm around them. I think that shows that you really care mm-hmm. and, you know, it's, it's hard to express that through, you know, text or phone calls, you know, I think, I think for a, a lot of people, and one of the things that, you know, is, has been really sad that I've been reading about is like when, when people and not to turn this into to a, a morbid story, but like, you know, when people are unfortunately passing away from COVID-19, you know, there's not a loved one with them because yeah. they can't, they can't be there. And I, I think one of the, things that people and for all this talk about virtual 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 worlds and and you know growing growing an internet presence um i think one of the best things that will happen when coronavirus you know this pandemic goes away is that we can we can interact with people in a physical world and we could show them we care because i think one of the best ways to showing people we care and are empathetic is 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 through you know those those physical touches and hopefully we will appreciate it just a little bit more than we did before yes. anything happened. So yes, well, exactly. I, I appreciate you, my friend. I always enjoy the conversations. Um, we will be having additional conversations. Uh, uh, you and I, I'm sure, offline, but us as a, a as an agency and a and a podcast with you know people with interesting perspectives on this uh, moving forward. Um, that normalcy, whatever that sliding scale is. You know, it's it's going to be back before we know it, I'm sure. And I look forward to seeing you next time we do drinks on me. All right. Thanks. I appreciate you having for having me on. Absolutely. All right. We'll talk to you soon, man. Thanks a lot. Have a good one. All right. Bye bye.